When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Welcome to The Dive, the podcast that asks, who says business news needs to be all business? You can't have missed it. Well, Australia and New Zealand are on track to host one of the largest football tournaments in the history of the women's game when the FIFA Women's World Cup kicks off tomorrow night in New Zealand as well as Australia. The The Women's World Cup has come to town. And there's been a big conversation in the lead up to this World Cup around prize money. Because FIFA offers women one quarter as much prize money as the men. The 2023 World Cup has a total prize pool of $110 million compared to the $440 million for the Men's World Cup last year. Was Diego Costa even aware that the Ghanaian striker Williams was behind him? Now there's people who argue on both sides of this argument. On the one hand, equal pay for equal work, or in this case, equal accomplishment. And on the other hand, pay should reflect the money that you're creating. Now, we're not here to make a case either way. Instead, we thought we could do our job as a business podcast and add some more numbers to this conversation so you can have more context the next time you see an argument spring up in the comment section on social media or perhaps the next time an argument springs up at the pub. It's Friday, the 21st of July, and today I want to know what are the numbers behind the Women's World Cup? To talk about this today, I'm joined by my colleague and the co-founder of Equity Mates, it's Alec Renan. Alec, welcome to the dive and go the Matildas. Sasha, uh, good to be here. World Cup fever has uh, really hit Australian shores. I made a joke in our team meeting this morning that uh, Australians are buzzing for the World Cup until they're all reminded they don't really like soccer. But I think you made the point that uh, the one thing Australians do love is winning. <laughs> yeah. And we've actually got a chance to win a World Cup here. So it's pretty exciting. Yeah, I know. So it's an interesting to see whether this fever slowly builds or dissipates by this time next week. Look, I just want to acknowledge that we're framing this prize money conversation as a financial question, but many arguments around this pay dispute are not financial. So this is an incomplete but hopefully helpful episode, Alec. Yeah, I think that's an important place to start. There's, yeah, as you said, a number of non-financial reasons that more pay would grow the game and actually then bring more money in. You know, we're an investing uh, podcast here and there's investments to be made. But we just wanted to look at the business behind the World Cup so people listening can have some more context on how the money actually flows when it comes to these massive football tournaments. 
The Women's World Cup kicked off in Australia and New Zealand last night. Now, I am renowned for my sporting knowledge. (laughs) Not true at all. But this certainly, even to me, feels like the biggest Women's World Cup in history. Yeah, now last night as people are listening, uh, but it's tonight as we record, so we actually don't know if New Zealand and Australia uh, open their accounts with a win. Post arriving, Grant deflected, and Charlie Grant has her first ever Matilda's goal. But... What is clear is that the women's game is growing and the numbers support that. The number of teams at this World Cup have been expanded from 24 uh, to 32. The number of attendees is expected to be higher, 1.2 million in France 2019 compared to 1.5 million expected this year. The number of TV viewers is growing. FIFA has set a goal to reach a global audience of 2 billion people for this World Cup up from 1.12 billion in France just four years ago. According to FIFA, the prize money is also growing. It's triple what it was at France in 2019. But as you said, Sasha, it's still a quarter of what the men got paid in Qatar last year. And that is where the controversy sits in the lead up to the World Cup. I want to also acknowledge that the Matildas had a big symbolic win last Friday. And it wasn't on the pitch against France. It was in crowd numbers. Because the Matildas crowd of 50,629 beat the crowds at the AFL, Brisbane v Melbourne, and the NRL, Newcastle v West Tigers. They didn't quite beat the TV viewers, but getting more people to their game uh, on a Friday night is a big achievement. That is a symbolic win, Alec, especially in Melbourne where, you know, AFL reigns supreme. But let's turn to the business of the Women's World Cup. What are the biggest key revenue drivers? Yeah, so in any sport, there's four key revenue drivers to be aware of. The biggest one these days is TV broadcast rights. Then we've got sponsorship, uh, third, merch sales, and then finally, live ticket sales. Well, you know I love TV, so let's get stuck into that first. <laughs> yeah, so this World Cup's momentous because the 2023 Women's World Cup has been the first Women's World Cup to have its broadcast rights sold as a standalone product rather than just being packaged as a bonus Uh, for the broadcasters that buy the Men's World Cup. There are arguments for and against that, and we'll get to some of the issues that it's caused in a sec, but I think it's worth acknowledging that now seen as a product in and of itself. Let's start in Australia. Optus bought the rights for this Women's World Cup for $13 million. I have a massive gripe with the fact that Optus is able to buy it. They bought all 64 games. They sell 15 on to Channel 7, and they're the 15 games that we can watch on free-to-air. For most sports, there's these anti-siphoning regimes where you get it on free-to-air. You get most of it on free-to-air to stop the pay TV guys uh, blocking it. But uh, in this case, Optus was able to siphon the majority of the games. So anyway, that's a gripe. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's a rabbit hole, but I appreciate the gripe being aired, Alec. But thank you. I appreciate you appreciating it. (laughs) But 13 million for Optus for this World Cup. Compare that to the 20 million that SBS paid for the Qatar World Cup. And the discrepancy isn't actually as big as I first thought it would be. 20 million v 13 million, 64 games, 32 teams. So the tournament is the same size now. Not that different. That's Australia though. Over in Europe, it's a very different story. And it's been a quite a controversial story. So there's the big five European markets in world football. 
UK, Germany, France, Italy and Spain. And it's just what Spain wanted. An early goal to settle the nerves. Together, those five markets paid between 100 and 200 million for the Men's World Cup last year. Mm-hmm. Apparently, according to FIFA, they only offered between 1 and 10 million for the TV rights for the women's game. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Reports were that Italy were the worst. They paid 160 million euros uh, for the men's tournament last year. They offered 300,000 for the women's um, game. Wow. Now, FIFA, uh, to their credit, uh, came out quite critically and they said, uh, the president of FIFA, Gianni Infantino, said, it is our moral and legal obligation not to undersell the FIFA Women's World Cup. Um, so I respect that. And they basically said, we're not gonna, we're going to black out the World Cup in these countries unless you pay more. They eventually did reach a deal. I don't think the numbers have been disclosed. The important thing to stress here is that on FIFA's numbers, the viewing figures for the women's event are between 50 and 60% of what they are for the men's. So about half uh, of the TV viewers. And the bids from Europe were coming in at one hundredth of the price. Yeah. So a massive discrepancy. To quote one of my favourite sayings of late, the math ain't mathing on that one. The Europeans defended themselves and said it's the time difference because Australia is on the other side of the world and I think a lot of the games will be kicking off in the morning over in Europe. But we don't see that same discrepancy uh, when, you know, the uh, Ashes is played in Australia and English broadcasters are paying for it or the Rugby World Cup's in Australia. So, um, you know, maybe to some extent, but not to this extent. Well, let's move on to sponsors because that's another big moneymaker. Sponsors, there is a massive discrepancy here. So... Analytics firm Global Data has done the numbers. They expect the Women's World Cup this year to generate just over 300 million in sponsorship revenue for FIFA. For comparison, the World Cup in Qatar last year, the Men's World Cup, brought in 6.3 billion in sponsorship revenue. So it's 5% of what the men's game brought in. There are some caveats, but they don't totally make up the discrepancy, but there are some caveats. Firstly, the TV rights saga in Europe and around the world, uh, because they were slow to sell the rights basically everywhere, um, a lot of advertisers were then reluctant to throw their weight behind the tournament to invest heaps of money in the tournament because they were worried that FIFA wouldn't sell the rights. They would black it out in these like key European markets. So we've only seen several of the big sponsors come through very late. Partnerships with Unilever and McDonald's were announced in May, so two months before the tournament kicks off. AB InBev, the massive um, alcohol brand, signed up in June, just a month before the tournament kicked off. And a collaboration with TikTok to provide tailored World Cup content was announced a week before the tournament was due to start, literally last week. So you can see that like the flow-on effects of the broadcast issues then had an effect on the advertising budgets. There was also another screw-up from FIFA. I'm calling it a screw-up. That's my editorial judgment. (laughs) FIFA were in talks with Saudi Arabian Tourism to be the major sponsor or a major sponsor for the... Uh, Women's World Cup. Saudi Arabia, not a great supporter of the women's game. Yeah. And there was a pretty obvious and 
loud public backlash that rightfully criticised that association. And so then FIFA dropped that sponsorship, but then they were behind the eight ball in, I guess, making up that budget. I'm going to let that editorial judgment through to the keeper for sure. (laughs) So, Alec, you've covered sponsors and broadcasting. There is one area, though, where women are beating the men. We're going to talk about that after the break. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome back to The Dive. Go the Matildas. We're in the middle of World Cup fever. A team of 23 that has a country of 25 million right behind it tonight. The Matildas has unveiled its squad for the world. Always exciting when the world comes to Australia. Alec, we've covered the revenue discrepancies on sponsors and broadcasting, but you've promised me that there is an area where women are beating the men. What is it? Aside from actual chances of winning the damn thing, (laughs) where the women are doing much better than the men, (laughs) I think even the men's team would agree with that, to be honest. Um, But one area where the women, well, in in Australia, where the women's team is beating the men's team is merch sales. Hear the atmosphere already? It's building. The players are about to come out. Incredibly exciting. Who are you here to see? Hayley Russo. Sam Kerr. Now. Nike are the jersey sponsor and they are, I guess, quite secretive in terms of actual numbers of jerseys sold. But they've come out in the press and told the world, well, told Australia, I don't think the world cares too much, but uh, they've told Australia that the women's team have sold more jerseys ahead of the uh, the Women's World Cup than the men's team managed uh, both before and during and since the Qatar World Cup uh, last year. So basically the Matildas haven't played a game yet and they've already outsold the men's jersey from last year. That's pretty impressive. It's almost inspiring me to go investigate whether I need to get you know I love merch. So maybe I, I do love merch, actually, yeah. <laughs> maybe I need to get one. Maybe if we were bigger we could have got some free jerseys. So <laughs> that's our inspiration for the twenty twenty seven World Cup. Absolutely. Let's turn to the last revenue driver now, and that's ticket sales, people actually going to the matches. Uh, There's a really good story brewing here. We'll tell the story, then we'll compare it to the Men's World Cup last year. But one day out from the start of the tournament, uh, we were just shy of 1.4 million tickets sold for the 64 matches. Now, the previous record uh, was from the Canadian World Cup eight years ago, where 1.35 million tickets were sold. Caveat, the number of teams and the number of matches has expanded this time. It's gone from 52 matches to 64. Mm -hmm. But hey, the record is the record, and that's great to see. Reports are tournament organisers are targeting 1.5 million tickets for the tournament. But to get there, Sasha, our friends across the ditch are going to have to lift because New Zealand is letting us down. Mm. There is a real enthusiasm gap between the two host nations. In the rugby heartland of New Zealand, there have been struggles to sell tickets. According to the Daily Mail, 
caveat, Daily Mail. Um, just one third of New Zealand's tickets have been sold. Okay. And they're going to pretty extreme lengths to fill the stadiums. They um, New Zealand recently gave away 20,000 free tickets to matches in New Zealand for some of the, I guess, less popular games. Prominent Kiwis have been asked to really get out and support um, these efforts. Former Prime Minister Jacinta Ardern has been using her profile to urge people to attend matches. A key reason for the enthusiasm gap is that the Matildas are world beaters led by one of the best players in the world in Sam Kerr and New Zealand are not. Um, And so that's been a bit of a challenge for New Zealand. But overall, Sasha, the aim of 1.5 million tickets sold across the tournament uh, is something really exciting and something to be really proud of. It's not quite what the men's tournament achieved. Uh, In Qatar, they sold 2.89 million tickets. Before that, in Russia in 2018, it was 2.4 million tickets. So, you know, not as many, but still a really good number. The one caveat there is ticket prices. Simon, who uh, works for us here at Equity Mates and was at Qatar, I was asking him how much he paid for his tickets and he was saying about 150 Aussie to, to go to a game. I've got tickets for Sunday night and they were 20 bucks a game. So ticket prices are different. So the money that is being generated by ticket sales would be different. But just the, the sheer volume of people going into stadiums is a great story. So, Alec, in conclusion, what do you think these numbers tell us? Yeah, so for me, you know, the capitalist in me, there's one clear takeaway. It's that if the viewing numbers are about half, you know, 2.9 million ticket sales compared to 1.5 million, or on FIFA's number of TV broadcasts, 50 to 60% are watching the women's as as would be watching the men. So let's say the audience is about half, but the sponsorship revenue is 5% of what the men got. And, you know, over in Europe, they're paying cents on the dollar for TV broadcasts. It feels there's a market opportunity there. It feels like Wiley advertisers should understand that there's a audience price mismatch and start buying the cheaper version of the women's game. Yeah, absolutely. I think like there is a massive opportunity there. So that's our pitch, but where to from here? So on the prize money conversation, we said we weren't going to uh, make a case either way. There's plenty of um, people out there having those arguments already. But FIFA are aiming to equalise prize money by the next iteration of the Men's and Women's World Cup. So 2026 for the men, 2027 for the women. So I think it's important to stress that if you're really exerting a lot of energy on social media making these arguments... FIFA are going to correct this pay imbalance at the next World Cup anyway. So maybe save the stress, save your arguments and um, get off social media. (laughs) And enjoy a game. Turn on a television or if you're in Sydney, buy a ticket. Buy some merch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Alec, that's been really fascinating. I've really appreciated you going into those numbers today. I also want to take the opportunity to just recommend something from our back catalogue. If you're a new listener to The Dive, we did an episode last year called Women's Football, The Case for Reparations. And that was such a fascinating story. Talk to a journalist from the Financial Times. Definitely, if soccer's your wheelhouse, even if it's not and you're just really interested in this conversation, go check that out. Put it this way, in the, in the early 1920s, women's football was bigger than men's football. Go and find out how. Alec, thanks so much for joining me on The Dive today. I'll be back in your feed next week. Thanks, Sasha.
You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697.